Hello, this is Charles Wiz. And this is Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking. This is where Tony and I get together and we talk about teaching and teaching in Japan and education and teaching English and assorted other things related to education in the classroom. And this is episode 158. And today we're going to go off the deep end or take a road less traveled or a road <laughs> never the, traveled. The shallow end. <laughs> the shallows. We're going into the shallows. And today we're going to talk about a teacher movie. Tony and I, we've been talking about maybe just doing a whole series of uh, reviews about movies about teachers, because that seems to be uh, something that Hollywood or uh, movie makers come out with every few years. And we thought we would start with Dead Poet Society, a 1989 movie starring Robin Williams, kind of one of the movies that kind of made him famous. And it's about um, a preparatory school, 1958, 59, isn't it, Tony? About 1959, and it's a boys' preparatory school. What that means for those people who don't know is it's uh, basically it's a private rich kids' school to get them ready to go to the Ivy League. And in fact, the movie starts off with the headmaster saying that 75% of their graduates went to Ivy Leagues. So this and is this a real is, And this school. is not just a, a prep school. This is, in the movie, the premise is, it is the number one prep school in the U.S. It is the prep school. It is the prep school. Okay. And basically, it involves Robin Williams being an English teacher, um, focusing a mainly on poetry. That's all that he actually talked about. He never talked about any prose or other kinds of literature. And he is the nonconformist. He is the Robin Williams, so to speak, of uh, this school. And it's about how he interacts with the students in very unconventional ways. And we're just going to go through and comment and give our ideas about it and talk about it. And um, I think that's kind of a good lead. And Tony, what do you think? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's uh, interesting because uh, we'll, we'll get into the de- obviously the details of the movie and things, but um, uh, in discussing this over the, because we've been talking about doing this for a little while and talking about it with other teachers and things, I'm really kind of struck by how, um, big of an impact uh, the movie had on so many teachers, and more than one person says that the reason that they became a teacher um, was this movie. Really? And, yeah. And um, uh, I, I had not seen the movie. I've seen clips, of course. You can't avoid them. Um, and I wasn't trying to avoid it. I just didn't see it. It was like I was busy. You know, it was 1989. That was I just got to Japan, and you know, I don't. I'm on the front lines. I don't. I, I don't need. I don't need the journalistic account. I'm. I'm in the. I'm in the trenches here. Um, so I never. Let me I just never saw interrupt it. for a second, Tony. And um, sorry, just to point out to those younger listeners, in 1989, videotape <laughs> was the thing. Remember, you would go to uh, the. Uh, the video store. Yeah, it was wherever it depends where you were. Like in the U.S., right? It, was it wasn't. Buster. There was no. Yeah, there was no streaming. Anyway, sorry to have interrupted. Yeah. No, that's okay. And, and, and DVDs were just coming around, right? No, CDs were right. just coming around. DVDs maybe not yeah. yet. But yeah, it CDs was it was VHS popular. tapes. Yeah. You go to the store and you yes. rent a tape. 
Okay. So, so anyway, I didn't get around to doing that. But uh, so many people said it was something, um, and I didn't see it until um, I don't know if it was this year or the just like I don't know if it was December or January, but probably January um, that I saw it for the first time. So that was interesting because uh, again, 19, you know, it's set in nineteen fifty. It was made in nineteen eighty nine. It was set in nine fifty nine, and from a twenty twenty three perspective, there's there's so many things that just would not fly. You couldn't make the movie today, but that's you can true about it to say that about almost any movie of the seventies and the eighties or before. Uh, you just couldn't make those movies today because yeah, it's like you know a bunch of rich white boys. Um, you know, <laughs> you get you really you really got to really work hard to to bring it up from there. I mean, I think there's three, four, maybe four female characters in the whole movie, and they're so peripheral, right? They're kind of like dragged in right. to the society at the very end surreptitiously, and and there's the one crush. The guy's got the crush on the one girl who has the, you know, big man on campus as her boyfriend and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, no major characters. I guess maybe that one, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Let's get to it. Yeah. Let's get to it. All right. So um I don't know where to start. Maybe spoiler alert. Yeah, I, spoiler I alert's a good one because yeah, like okay. unlike me, if you haven't seen the movie, we're gonna we're we're, we're going right, we're cutting it right open. <laughs> there's there's gonna be no yes. surprises. <laughs> An hour yeah, from now, yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be no more surprises. Right. So if you really want to watch the movie without spoilers, yeah, stop now and go watch the movie. Stop come now back. and come back later. Okay. So spoiler alert. And the first spoiler alert I'm gonna start with is I just watched the movie. Um, and I, I remember watching it a long time ago, or I don't know, it might be that I saw so many clips, I knew the movie. It's one of those things. Yeah, but sure. I watched it again, and I just abhorred it. <laughs> I just like hated it. I was just and my, my wife and I were watching it together. We were just like, huh? What? How could this movie have been so popular? This is just it's so stereotypical. It's so cliched. It's oh, that's so why it's so popular. Uh, formulaic. Yeah, okay, it, it doesn't you. challenge. It doesn't challenge the audience. It's very. It's a very romantic uh, portrayal. It's um, inspirational. It's uplifting. It's got a bittersweet ending. And and you know, and Robin Williams is a good actor. Was a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a bunch of other good oh. actors. So the acting is not bad, but oh. some of the ideas and the premises are okay. Yeah. So I think. We want to start – basically, we're really focusing just on the classroom, what happens in the movie. And surprisingly, it's like the classroom activities I think only takes up like 10% of the movie or 15% of the movie. Robin Williams actually is not present that much. Yeah, that's interesting in too, movie. isn't it? Yeah. I, I thought that there would be more classroom things. So anyway, the movie starts off with the kids being – you know, going in for their first day and orientation, and then they go into their classes, and the teachers are these old fogey guys, you know, and they're all like, okay, if you miss your homework, you're in trouble, blah, blah, right? And they're all, you know, dry and boring. <laughs> Actually, dead English and teachers, not dead poets. De it's, yeah. it's a dead English teachers or dead dead teacher society. Yeah. But, and I don't know if, it, it seems to me like just a stereotype of all the teachers, and it's just there to set you up to see how anybody who had any kindness or empathy or consideration for, you know, a young 
kid. Oh yeah, know, sure. It's the spoil, kid. and it's yeah, it's like super right. oversimplified, right? It's just right. yeah. This is the old guard. This is the this is the, the tradition. This is convention, and now. <laughs> Now into the scene is Robin Williams. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want to run with that then? Um, oh, okay. And so there is uh, some of the classroom interaction. And I think this is, I think one of the things that the movie actually got right, at least in, initially, right. Uh, is the challenge for a teacher at the beginning of a year or a semester, if you have new students, that it's, um, however you do it, whatever you got in your, your bag of tricks, uh, to somehow, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going back and forth across this line a little bit through through the discussion, but somehow to get the class on your side. Um, yeah, there's different approaches. You can go in there and just be a, a hard ass, and you know, like a drill sergeant, and you know, try to inst- and, and instill fear in them. Good luck with especially with these guys, these kids. I mean, they're you know. They're, 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 the kid, the students are so kind <laughs> in the in the movie, but believe I, I you trust me um, that teaching those kids would not be an easy job. Um, I, my my high school was not like that, but it was pretty much a college prep type school, and it was religious and ultra strict, and there were a lot of teachers who tried to take that tack with us, and they paid. <laughs> um, and you know the teachers that had the Robin Williams approach um, type approach yeah, were were rewarded. Yeah, you know, we we kind of gave them gave them a break. But boy, uh, but and and I've taught at schools in Japan were the same way. So that part of the dynamic I thought was pretty realistic. Uh, the importance of early on in the semester, very early on, because we talked about first impressions um, to get the kids on your side, uh, and so that part. I think was realistic. Um, it then it <laughs> keeps going and it, get, it goes a little, a little bit far, uh, goes way far. Um, but uh, so little by little, he um, has his uh, agenda of teaching his students, not so much about poetry, though it's there, but more about, you know, now passion about, poetry and I guess secondarily literature, but p- passion about life and choices and uh, the um, importance of doing not, you know, just being unconventional or not being unconventional, but not fo- blindly following convention, taking a look at things that, you know, looking at a different way, a nice little, you know, things like has them stand on his desk because they can see the classroom from a different perspective. That's what you're supposed to do. Try to see things. When you think you know something, try and see something from a different perspective. Okay. Point taken. Um, and the the thing about the classroom, well, talking about the first objections is, is that, um, the, that notion that teaching them that be you know don't follow convention, take advantage, you know, go for the moment. The, the catchphrase of the movie seize the day, carpe diem in Latin, which you know, not much about Saul Bellow, which I'm kind of yes, sad about. Yes. I, I wanted I wanted Saul Bellow yes. in there, and I also wanted like they were done. And there's another novel that was written in the late 40s, early 50s that um, used carpe diem. Uh, John Knowles, separate piece. Um, oh, yeah. Which my teacher, my high school teacher, made us read. I had a great high school teacher. 
I became an you English did. teacher. You did. Yeah. Wait, you read Saul Bellow and Knowles? Yeah, in high school. It's pretty good. College prep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. We get d- despite despite the fascism, we we got a pretty good education. <laughs> or because of <laughs> that's possible because yeah like, again we were you know south side chicago we were we were rough kids we were rough kids to teach um you know yeah. pity the teachers but again we you know the, the ones that were were fair to us we were we were fair to in return the ones who weren't god bless them um but yeah. so he well, that's he, something yeah, go ahead yeah, I was going to say the, your point about the students, right? These are really entitled kids, mm. and they were all invariably polite. You know? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Which is now what's really interesting in terms of the genre of teacher movies is that usually the teacher walks into a really to serve with love. Class. Yeah, it's, it's like you got a challenge. It's like it just okay, starts from the serve beginning. It with love. How hard, all of them stand and deliver. Blackboard, jungle, yeah. right? It's like you um, walk in and, and it's deliver. like, oh, yeah. Christ, yeah. this is lot closer to reality. But these well, guys are just of, too easy to teach. <laughs> just, yes. too, it's too, just happening too. There's the, there's the one wise guy. Which is his name? Charlie. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Initially, Luana. anyway, he's very resistant, right? He's the first yeah. one to rip the book on the page out of the book. Yeah, we have to explain that. So what happened? This is actually was a good teaching technique. But I want to just before we do I that, like I want to again just talk about um, the idea that the teacher goes into this classroom. So if you watch like To Sir With Love, for example – um, Dangerous Minds, is it, or something like that? Uh, all the others, mm-hmm. these other movies. The teacher goes into an incredibly unruly, difficult class and turns the class around within minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like – and the re- anybody who's been in a classroom knows that that thing that you talked about of earning and winning the student's trust, that does not take three minutes or one class – when that you have those kinds of students. And the flip side is, by the way, if anyone's interested, I think, Stand and Deliver, which is difficult to get hold of in Japan, is probably the best teaching movie I've watched, the most realistic about what happens in a classroom, I think, and is actually focused on the classroom more than a lot of other movies. So anyway, um, and where was I going with this? So Robin Williams starts his class, right? He does that walkthrough where he he has like his offices in the back of the classroom or something, and he opens the door, walks through the classroom, and then walks out the back door. Um, and the students are just all surprised. And as soon as he walked into the classroom, I looked at my wife and I said, he's going to walk out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it was going to happen. But, you know, to start off with some kind of dramatic effect and then the students are all looking around, and then he, Robin Williams, pops his head through, and says, "Come on, follow me." And so, taking the kids out of the classroom on the first day, um, you know, that kind of dramatic opening can work. But the problem with it is, if it doesn't work, yeah, then you got all year. You've, to you, you've lost a year. <laughs> you've, you know, you're really gambling. You're yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. gambling. 
And um, I mean, I kind of have done something like that where I walk into my classroom on the first day or, and I'll say good morning or hello, everybody, and there's no response. And then I just walk out the door <laughs> and then I open the back door, come through the back door and say, hello, everybody. And I, ha- you know, rinse and repeat until finally they understand to say hello or good morning or do some greeting or something. Um, but yeah, the thing that he did, what I found interesting was he has the students open up the textbook and they read this really terrible, terrible thing about poetry and graphing the area of a poem. It's an, it's an algorithm for determining the quality of poetry. Right. It's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's an algorithm. You know, topic, length. <laughs> it's, right. It's, and everyone's take, you know, listening. And then he just tells everybody that it's garbage and it's crap. And then he explains what poetry is. Now, that's not a bad opening. No, that, that, that's, that's fine. That's great. Right. And to really point out what poetry is about and what, you know, the meaning and why it's important. And that's the other thing he does well, I thought, was that he would give explanations for why poetry is important. Uh-huh. Right. You know, he asked students, you know, he says, hey, you might think you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Why would you need poetry? And I think that that kind of explanation of why the subject has relevance to young people's lives has validity. Yeah, it reminded me that, like, I, and I, not, it wasn't a conscious thing, but going back, thinking back, it's like so much of what I did in the classroom was to, to coin a, a, a cliche now, it was so meta. Uh, to go beyond, it's like, you know, it's like, why are you doing this? And what does it really mean? And it's be- it goes beyond what actually, you know, what's on the page or what's on the assignment. It's like, no, no, this is, it's got meaning beyond and, t- and kind of trying to, you know, explain that importance that, you know, that goes beyond what's like right in front of them, which, you know, they, some do, you know, we, we, we had some good students, some, some, some can, Get it right. I mean, they get it before before you even think about explaining it. You can see the lights going on in their eyes, but a lot of don't. A lot don't. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very true. But I know that I always explain to students why the class. I well, why I think the class uh-huh, is valuable. Uh-huh, you uh-huh. can see the ones rolling their eyes, going, "Yeah, right." It's okay for you, and, white man. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, you try to explain. You know, and I do say, "I'm not teaching you for today. I'm teaching you for your future." You know that one day, you know, you'll look back and it hopefully will click for you that what you did in this class was help is helping you in your current life, you know, a few years down the road. Yeah, in class but, I'd be rolling my eyes too. Like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course we were yeah, the kids yeah, who were yeah, rolling yeah. our eyes all the like, time. Like I don't right? know anything yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or you don't what do you know? I'm old I'm man? twenty years old. What can you teach me? God, thank God. You know, I, yeah. That's yeah. Anyway, I don't even want to go back to what I was like when I was twenty. But I think one thing that's interesting is that the portrayal of the teacher or Robin Williams, it's um, I think you pointed this out, Tony, that's very romanticized. It's very Well, it's idealized. Hollywood, right? I mean you kinda it's expect very that. Hollywood, yeah. It's a Hollywood. It's movie. not Yeah, it's a little bit over the top for me. It was pretty much over the top. It's way over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In it's so many ways, you know, I think that the standing on the desk is like, okay, well, that's not going to go over well in Japan. <laughs> but, of course, maybe if he took his shoes off first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, 
Yeah. You know, there was that and then the tearing the pages out of the book, which was the explanation of the algorithm. The other thing that uh, I'm jumping around here that was so obvious to me, something that I would never do, which is I would never have a student read aloud in a classroom, right? Do anything possible to avoid that. You know, this idea of students uh, it's, being it's, asked to read aloud. Yeah, it's but something rem- that you have to build up to. And it might be something that c- should be done with poetry, maybe. Because poetry is not just printed words, but it's it's like, it's, it's like a play. It's in between a play and, and, a, and, a, and prose. Um the language sometimes, a lot of times with poetry, the language doesn't come alive unless it's spoken. Um, so I can see sometimes having students read aloud, but not that way. <laughs> it's something you have to build up to, right? And in a, in a very different way, right? Right. Well, that's exactly it. Like I think how we would build up to it would be, you know, have the students go home and make a recording and submit it, get them used to just reading. And then you'd have them come in and maybe in groups read together. Each person reads like a paragraph or a stanza or something. Or have each student do one line. I mean, everyone just do whatever, right. The same line, you know, and just do it differently. How different can you, how interesting can you make it? One line. Right. But the idea that, you know, I would just never ask a student to read aloud because, you know, I don't know if the students, how well they read or not. What happens ah, if you get the, you yeah, know. Yeah, you could traumatize a kid, sure. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's that's the thing is that traumatizing a student was obviously not a concern according to this Hollywood movie in 1959. No, it wasn't the script. Putting fear into, you know, having students operate from fear and you know the conformity, and uh, and the you know again all boys school the inevitable bullying and and stuff it's oh it's such a big yeah. risk. But there was no bullying. Yeah, I know that's also crazy, right? Which was again unrealistic. So it was such an idealized um movie in the sense that the, there was very little of what what happens in the real world. And, you know, the idea of, you know, the, the sky coming into a very conservative institution. And, well, he's a, he's a graduate of that institution. Right. And, and one of the things is like, how the hell did this guy get hired? You know, I was wondering. He was a fire, he was, he was a hellraiser, a firebrand. He was, he was part of these rebels before. What the hell? How the hell did he get hired? That 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 was like no, no, they're never going to hire this guy because they they know him. This other guy it was his teacher. They know him. They know what he's like. They know they know the cut of his jib. It's like no, no, he's not going to get this job. We're not going to hire this guy. What was it? They're looking at the yearbook, and um, you know, stu- in America, right? Since that we're both Americans, we know this. That in the yearbook, it'll have things like you know, a line like you know, most likely to change the world, or most likely to be rich, or most likely to I don't know, blah 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 blah. And he gets the one. What is it? Most likely to do anything, <laughs> right? So obviously, a troublemaker beyond right. belief. And you're right. Why would ultra conservative? Right. Dry as t- dust, corpses hire him. 
Yeah, well, here's the other question, which is, why would he take the job? Yeah, obviously to to disrupt and and you know make change and to change things. It's his dream is to go back. And say he's going to go back and do for the students what his teachers didn't do for him. That's easy. Yeah, I can see him because oh. he's a corrupter. I don't know. I mean, I'm projecting here for a little bit. Well, you see, but- <laughs> okay, but see, that's what it gets to me is that after you know teaching. You know what? It, one of the things you do when you look for a job is like how you know reasonably or minimally supportive is the admin going to be, right? I mean, I would interview for that job, and I would they would not take me within a minute. I know that, <laughs> and I would not accept the job. And you wouldn't have applied, probably. But I, I think, have applied. but he's exactly. like I think he's planning on going back in and and just you know taking it apart from inside. I think that that was his yeah. that was his thing. Well, why they. Let him do that. I don't know. Rand, we don't know why he left his previous school, right? Right. That wasn't mentioned because you'd think that he had a track record and they would have, and that the other school would have been similar in terms of values and sure, he would be, attitudes. He, he, he does what overall. he does. So, yeah, exactly. Why did they hire him yeah. knowing everything about him? But, um, yeah, yeah. So he does these things. He takes the students out of the classroom. Uh, you know, he has them do things. But you know, one of the things that uh, was interesting, he's teaching them poetry, and it's all old poetry. I mean, the only what he he quotes um, Robert Frost, "The Road Less Traveled," mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think, Whitman, you know. A lot of Whitman. Yeah, Whitman. okay. Whitman, okay, not definitely not 20th century, right? Get, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. really 19th century. Um, but there's no real modern poets, right? He And for example, Roger Ebert, um, I was reading a review. He uh, was a really fine critic from your hometown, Chicago, mm-hmm. was actually, I think, the first movie critic to receive a Pulitzer Prize, if I'm correct. He pointed out that wouldn't this guy be doing like Allen Ginsberg and, you know, maybe Jack Kerouak, you know, more. Of the ah, it might've been, no, see, Lawrence, this Furman, was 1959. Eddie. And I think that those, those would be really, at that school would be unacceptable. Over the, over. Just like way over the line. It's like that by itself would be a fireable offense. Kerouak or okay. Ginsberg in the classroom in 1959. It's like by, by, you know, by 1989, when the movie was made, it was accepted and, you know, it lost all of its edge. But yeah. in, in, in 1959, that was just, I think it would have been too radical for that curriculum. I i don't see a problem with that. About really? I don't see a problem with it, but it's like, it's not what would have been on the curriculum of that school at that time. Well, don't you think, though, a guy like Robin Williams, who's being this disruptive and trying to get his students to nonconform, would go ahead and like say, hey, we're not supposed to read this, but let's go. Let's read it. Yeah, maybe. But then again, that's just the writers of the movie that just couldn't put, couldn't put that together. But that would certainly be a way to do it. But that also is a big red flag because you know, it's in the curriculum, right? It's like, this is my syllabus. What? Whitman? What? <laughs> okay, well, maybe. No. But maybe, no, or they they said you can you can teach the poets, but he still would, you know. Would yeah, he would have chosen more. Uh, he would have brought risky stuff in, stuff. though. Yeah. 
right? Or he would have just quoted it. He would have from memory to his students and say, hey, here's what's going on. You might want to read some of this. Yeah, here's a real here, here's a real poet. You read some of this stuff. Or here's somebody relevant to you who's writing today. And I thought, you know, for a guy who seems to be really interested in disrupting the system, you... He does make some conservative choices. Okay, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they did that. Um, and the other thing that I have to take issue with was, you know, I remember that Whenever we did poetry in my school, that was the least favorite part of literature for students. Sure. That's when most of the students checked out. I mean, short stories and novels were good. Ah, the other thing is that one of the key points in the movie is one of the st students uh, tries out to be uh, Puck, right? He's, yeah, and, um, play Summer's in Night Dream. Dream. Yeah, he, he's, he's yeah. as an actor, and he's got an right. overbearing father who wants him to be a doctor. Doesn't want him to be a doctor. He, has already laid out the he's plan. Really, <laughs> he requires that his son become a doctor, and um, right. he needs to get into Harvard Medical School. Yes, it's all been planned out. Anyway, so here's what happens: is so that's a whole lot of drama about him doing the play against his father's wishes and all his friends from the school show up and everybody, all these like high school kids are just really enjoying Macbeth or not Macbeth. Sorry. Midsummer's <laughs> Night Dream. Quite Shakespeare. different. Shakespeare. Slight yes, difference. Quite different. <laughs> slight difference there. And, um, you know, I don't remember anybody being thrilled by Shakespeare. You know, that kind of like, oh, these students will really love it because it's being presented live. You know, this idea that poetry is a living thing, Shakespeare is a living thing. It, and it's a good point, right, that it has to be heard. It has to be seen, right? You know, the idea of like you read Shakespeare. Yeah, it's, it's really a, it's it's a like reading a screenplay. Yeah. It's like reading a screenplay. You know, instead of watching the movie. So you can imagine like reading the, the screenplay for Aliens. I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but that again the idealized situation that really is you know starts off again long time ago with to sir with love where the students are just like ah oh, they will love it if you expose them to it that's all they need is the proper exposure and that romanticized idea for the teachers that if you find the right delivery method you will get everyone instead of right. What we now know is find the different delivery methods. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That monolithic approach. Yeah. And I, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I'm a little bit more forgiving on this point because, um, different generations, different eras. Uh, when you and I, went through high school and, and university um, post Vietnam war, mostly, mostly for you. Um, I mean, mostly for me, totally for you. Um, I don't, I don't know what it was like in the 1950s. And the only, ex the only thing I've got to basis on is other 1950s type movies but it's possible that the kids of that era were not quite as jaded 
and 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 again, this is like maybe the the thing for the movie, or not that you know resistant to things. They, they were just like they were just naive. And one of the notice the things that I th- talk about is like, well, of course, like today, you know, it's like kind of the post rap hip hop thing where you know all kinds of conventions deconstructed, blah 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 blah. But what struck me was this movie is nineteen fifty nine. These kids. They seem really pre-rock and roll. They seem to have been untouched by, you know, Bo Diddley, Elvis Presley, um, Holland. I mean, all you know, all that stuff that was happening in the fifties, that began to question, you know, that which led to so many changes in society. Again, I I don't know that world that that you know that you know, um, upper crust. Um, existence and th- those kinds of prep schools on the East Coast, um, what it was really like. But it's, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what that was like. And I don't know what those people were like. I don't know what those kids were like. And, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, when they, they think they're being bad, they go to the cave and smoke pipes and read poetry. You know, 10 years later, when I was <laughs> going through high school, being bad was quite different. <laughs> if you want to be bad, it was, it was really a different gig. <laughs> it was a different, it was a very, very different situation. So I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, well, we, I, I'm not making that ju- judgment yet. Yeah. Well, we can't, you know, treat the movie as an accurate depiction of an era but there is the scene where you know you see these two kids and they're playing with a radio and an antenna and you don't understand what they're really trying to do and then they're outside one time and you realize oh they're trying to get the rock and roll station exactly right so that was a little taste of it's like okay finally yeah there it is and of course they start dancing and you know like rocking out so i think you're right that this is pre rock and roll but the 50s was a pretty rebellious period um let's go back James and Dean. think about yeah i was going to go back and do rebel without a cause there you go what you got right and that's what 3 4 years and then the wild ones with mm-hmm. marlon brando think about blackboard jungle again right? all of that all of that yeah yeah that and how did these kids grow up not Affected by any of that. I... It's the economy, stupid. As famously <laughs> said. These are white Anglo Saxon. But they had money to go to the movies. Kids. Yeah, but, you know. They're teenagers. Again, yeah, yeah, but, uh, well, okay. So the point is that hormones. They're, they're, they're present. They're just, again, yeah, they're presented yeah, yeah. as, you know, very malleable. malleable. Kind of neutered. <laughs> <laughs> right, in a in a certain way, right? Yeah, yeah. The one kid who is rebellious, um, <laughs> he's so mildly rebellious, right? Yes, and yes. Smoking, <laughs> he's rebellious, smoking. but so polite about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, talking about the rebellion, so they're smoking in their rooms, right? Mm. And the father walks in, really <laughs> ridiculous father, and it's like you don't even notice the smell of cigarettes in the room. <laughs> well, that's because he you know? smells like cigarettes. Well, maybe, maybe smokers don't smell to. smokers. It's like because everybody, if it was the fifties, everyone in this movie was smoking. <laughs> everyone in the movie was smoking. Yeah, I, I just again, okay, my my, you know, I just didn't enjoy the movie overall. I thought it was just again, just you know, it's really really tried in so many ways. But 
I think that this thing that happens, this romanization and idealization of what a teacher is and what a teacher can do, instead of the reality of the nuts and bolts of what's going on. I mean, then there, you know, you had a, t- what was the TV series? I didn't watch very much of it, but Boston Public or something. Uh huh. You know, and that kind of showed like teachers really having a hard time. I I, I, I liked that series. I that did, was, I only watched it a little bit. I, yeah, I, I watched a lot of it. I don't. I didn't see all of it, but I watched a lot of it. It was good. Yeah, really. It showed the hardship that that, that, yeah. that that the yeah. real hardships that teachers face in the classroom. Yeah. Right. And exactly. Not black and white. Not not cut and clear. It's like, no, this is a real damn problem. Is that the kid's got family problems? He's got economic problems. He's got academic problems. He's not intentionally <laughs> coming to your class to <laughs> to make your life miserable. He's a, he's a he's a kid in a hard place, and it's like, okay, now I got you know, <laughs> I'm a high school teacher. I've got 200 more kids like that. And I was like, ah, and you don't have the resources. You don't have the administrative support. And it's like, yeah, welcome to the profession. Right. Yeah. Isn't that Angela Duckworth who talks about grit? Not sure. Yeah, I think it's Angela Duckworth who did a thing on grit. And uh, there's also another – I think she's out of stamp. Well, there's the grit one and there's the anti-grit one. So I don't. I don't well, know. the anti-grit argument is the real is what I was going to go to. Okay, right, which is that idea that well, if you live in a really rough neighborhood and getting your walk to school involves a lot of grit, will get you, you know, killed. <laughs> or no, no, no. That you know the possibility that you know you might get harmed or you might get killed on the way to school. Well, that's what I just said. <laughs> I know, right? been there, done no, that. <laughs> no, no. What happens is by the time you get to school, your grit's been used up. <laughs> You, 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 know, you only it. have a limited amount of grit, yeah. right? And then they want you to sit for hours and hours and hours, right? Yeah. Oh, by the way, that was the other thing that I found really interesting about um, Dead Poet Society is not a single kid was shifting in his seat, you know, <laughs> squirming around. Good actors. Those kids really knew how to sit. They're actors. Know? They're good actors. Yeah. yeah. So I think, again, you know, that just uh, – you know, that he – you know – here is Robin Williams, and he miraculously transforms these kids, and he kind of develops a following. I think you know. In your notes, you talked about the cult idea. See, and I want to. Yeah, I want to get right. to that. I got. Yeah, why don't you read? Okay, that? can I got? Because okay. I have two things. I have two main points, okay. and uh, the one thing that I found, and because like one thing is like it's a Hollywood movie, and it's going to be over romanticized and oversimplified, and it's like if you like you know if you if you're a race car driver. <clears throat> And you see a movie about racing, you say, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. If you're a downhill skier and you watch a movie about skiing, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a geologist or anthropologist, it's like, you're like, well, you know, Jurassic Park, oh, my God. <laughs> All right, fine. We, it's Hollywood. We get it. It's Hollywood. Fine. All right. But two, I think, big sins here. Uh, one of the things about the the, the teaching, uh, really critical of, is like, you know, when you're a teacher, it's like, okay, you've got your job, so you've got a subject to teach. You're, you're supposed to teach poetry. That comes first. You want to slip into nonconformity? Cool. <laughs> you got some some other valuable life lessons you want to slip in there, like you know, accountability, self respect. Cool, but. That's 
got to be secondary. It's not the first day of class. And yeah, I get it's maybe part of your plan, like with the poetry and stuff, but it really never really tied into the poetry. Um, the, but the big part, it's like, you know, teach, you teach them love of poetry. Okay. You want to take a little bit? Of, okay. Teach love of knowledge, love of learning. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of your job. Love of the teacher? That's not your job. That's what comes if you say if you if you succeeded at the other stuff. You do a good job with the other stuff, then that. But that's not it. That's not so you can call me Mr. Silva or you can call me Captain My Captain. Hey, both fingers flying up in the air, man. <laughs> both fingers flying up in the air. It's like, no, you are not God. You're not God. You're a teacher. Teach me. Don't make me idolize you. Um, I found that um, really unforgivable. And I say that knowing that I myself, I mean, not to, not anywhere near to that extent, but I am vulnerable, I'm subject to criticism. So I'm open to criticism for like, Mm, using that aspect of a personal connection with the class or with leader students type things, so I know it can influence things to bring the class along to learn learn what I want them to. I bring them <laughs> to accept me in order to have them accept what I'm trying to teach them. Guilty as charged. I don't think that's what he's doing here. Um, and it comes very early on. You can you can call me captain, my captain, and it's like at that point I I lost it. That was it. That was it. That that was the movie for me. Done. Um, yeah, and yeah, that was it. Well, it's just important to understand that the captain, my captain, comes from Whitman. Whitman's yeah. poem about his love for Lincoln. Right. Exactly. Right. His adoration and idol, like I think, idolization of. Of Lincoln, but it's been a long time since. I okay, read so call me about. Abraham Lincoln. It's like, yeah, okay, right. same thing. <laughs> call me Mr. President. Call me Mr. President. Yeah, call call me. <laughs> yeah, call me whatever. Call me Mr. Tibbs. Um, right, but you've got a good point there, and you know everyone's vulnerable to this. Sure, and the students sure. at a certain point can be vulnerable. There's a certain kind of student who really is vulnerable to that, but you know. The, and I'm not saying that I've never been guilty of this because, of course, I never have. But, you know, that's the cult of personality. That's, um, you know, showtime thing where you put on a good show for you're, the students. You're performing. Absolutely. You're performing. But you're performing to get the content through. You got that's, it. You're right. Exactly. Because there's stuff that you want right. to teach. Content your, your, first. Your objective is not to right. get their love. Right. And somebody could argue that that's what, you know, Williams was trying to do is to get them to, you know, to seize the day, to be passionate about their lives, to not be conformists. But the the whole movie is based on this idolization of the teacher. Right. And it's not, um, you know, the content has to come first and your personality or your performance is in service of the content and the goals of the class. Exactly. Um, and, you know, so I, I agree with you on that. You know, I mean, he does have quite a persona and, uh, you know, it's, but you're right that there seems to be, right. He's really working hard to get them to 
idolize him. But I don't know. I go back and forth. But again, I just, it's like trying to analyze this movie on too deep a level is like, I just don't think it's that good of a movie. I don't think it was well thought through. I think it's, um, it's playing to people's emotions. Uh, you know, the characters are all formulaic, right? You've got, and you know, by the way, spoiler alert again, you know, you know exactly which kid is going to betray <laughs> the group. You just know it. And you know which kid is not, yeah. and you know, which kid is going to struggle with things. And, um, you know, it just was like, again, you're right. You know, as a teacher watching the movie, it's like, no, that's just not how the classroom works. Right. And I mean, by the way, try do, try saying to your Japanese students, I'd like you to tear the first five pages of the book out. <laughs> right. Without but, but you said, But you said like, like classrooms don't um, work that way. Um, actually, a lot of them do. And I, and I have known teachers who do exactly that. They actually um, – I can't – are they – well, I think – I won't say all. I'll say most of them are probably Japanese, but they, they, they do encourage this cult mentality where they are. They from the very beginning they, they sell themselves up as a um, cult leader, cult figure type of thing, and and get their acolytes and their followers and get them to believe it. Like and it was, and where I where I taught a long time ago, it was it was a it was. Uh, it never was became a school issue, but it's certainly we there all of us in the administration uh, were, were had some concerns. But yeah, there's a, this happens. It's very real, um, and um, you know, depending on how the person uses slash slash abuses those that adulation, I don't know. But I have another one. I have another one. I have one more big point that I want to get out, and this is Go for uh, it. I don't know if it's. Maybe it's more serious. I think it's maybe it's more serious. Uh, just a general irresponsibility. Um, again, we talked a little bit about, you know, it's like, okay, the subject, the, you know, the, the teaching subject, the material, the topic, content comes first. Uh, you know, love the teacher afterwards. That's great. Yeah, love me, love me, love me. Um, and his other message about um, rebe rebellion, nonconformity, um, yeah, that's good. I, I, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, guy. Believe me, I'm way out there on the spectrum on, on this one. But the the you, the main thing is like, well, you're we'll be teaching the poetry. Get the poetry first. Um, teach your rebellion by example. And you talked about this a little bit with the choice of the of the poetry and uh, the material that he used. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like you want to teach them to be rebels. Then yeah. <laughs> Ginsburg, <laughs> show them, show them how it's done, and then teach by example. And you know he's he's pushing them to be nonconformists. And at a certain point, it's like okay, that's cool. But at a certain point, it gets. When does it to be doing more harm than good? It's like when I was like you know kind of the coordinator of a foreign exchange program, and. You know, the, 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 with gr sending grossly underprepared students for homestays in Vancouver or Texas for either three months or a year. Um, is study abroad a good thing? I, I think so. Is it something everybody should do? Hell no. Um, 
And when you start pushing that to the point where it's like doing more harm than good, you really are not doing your students a service. I mean, you're you're, you're hurting them. And you're, you're putting a loaded gun in the hands of these kids. These are high school kids. And when you start telling them, it's like, you know, they're adolescents. Their hormones are going nuts, even though in the movie it doesn't look like it. It looks like they're all sedated. But they're high, they're adolescent. They're young adolescent males. And it's like, as I, and you're encouraging them to, like, buck the system. That's a real <laughs> questionable attack. <laughs> so you really maybe want to think about that a little bit. And he does at one point, he says, you know, he right. talks about daring and caution, but he doesn't do that until he's forced to. That's when he's called out, or he's already been called on by the administration. He says, hey, blah, 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 blah. And he goes back and he tells the kids, there's time to be daring, there's time to be, to be cautious. And it's like, well, you know, that would have been your shot <laughs> to, to, to lead by example and say, hey, it's my class. Back off. Let me do what I'm doing. He doesn't do that. He cows. All right. And the worst thing, the worst thing, and obviously because the consequences is this comes up. Um, we talk about the, you know, we said from the very beginning, you know which kid's gonna end up like Charlie. He wants to play puck, he wants to be an actor. His doctor, his father wants him to be a doctor. Um, and the kid comes to him for help. He totally blows it. He totally yes. Blotches it. I was so going to get to that. Yeah, he he totally forgets the, the. I mean, it's a student, parents, teacher triangle. And what he does, he what does he tell the kid? He says, "Stand up to your old man." And I, I'm saying, I'm saying, you coward, you coward. It's like, what? Why wouldn't you invite some kind of parent teacher? Student conference, discuss the issues, find out what's happened. You know, he hasn't met the father. He doesn't know. You know from the kid's point, he's like, well, my, my father's a jerk and Bobby's a real hard ass, blah, blah, Yeah, okay, good. It's like, all right, but, okay, let's let's all talk about it. Let's let's see what the reality is. Don't say to the kid, go home and stand up to your father. And it's like, what? Uh, that's just so completely off off the table, off, <laughs> way beyond the pale. It's just like a complete botch of the situation. And as like, oh my God. And yeah, just what a coward. That's all I can say. Well, he breaks a really important rule when working with students, which is never give advice. Never tell them what to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a real, that's a basic rule. I mean, it's like peer counseling, counseling 101 is your job is to ask questions and help the student discover what they feel, what they want to do. And you're right to go ahead and say, well, why don't you talk to your father? And then, of course, the father just beats the hell out of the kid. Yeah, he right? doesn't say talk to the father. He says stand up to your father. Stand up to your father. And yeah, stand up to <laughs> this, this military hard ass. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, you like 14-year-old. Go do that. Yeah. Like, and oh, I want to man. point out – and he's saying this, and it's like I'm saying, wait a second – the actor you, you're telling him to stand up to the actor who played the real badass in like RoboCop. <laughs> you know that guy was 
so such a badass, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah. no uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um, yeah, confrontation but, at know, this that, point is not your best strategy. Yeah. So while he's doing that, I'm just going, going wrong, 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 wrong. Ask the kids some questions. What are the compromises? What are the available things? Can you hold off on the acting, right? Can you wait until you get to college and you have more distance from your father, right? You and know, with the whole just, yeah, with the whole thing with his with rebellion and the nonconformity, there's almost zero instruction or warning about possible consequences, except for that one yes. where he's been admonished by the school. He says, "As I say, okay, sometimes daring, sometimes caution. All right, that's it." And yeah, yeah, so yeah, responsible. Yeah, well, it's easy. It's it's easy, and you know these are these are kids who's like, what? What's the worst thing that can happen is they don't go to Ivy League. Schools. Well, in their world, that's a big thing. <laughs> right. That's a really big thing. So, you know, so it's all this Hollywood, you know, nonsensical stuff. And again, as we say, you know, um, as teachers, of course, we see it as, a, you know, absurdities. But, you know, even as like a, a non-teacher, you have to sit back and kind of go, you know, Tony, you made that correct call. It's really, you know, if you're going to be a nonconformist, then you got to really back it up. You got to really back it up, but also be prepared for some heavy duty consequences. Yeah. And, but you're also responsible for, you know, helping your, your students navigate a difficult world. Wow. That's that's a big part of the teaching. Right. Yeah. And there was nothing about how to navigate your life except by rebelling. Right. And finding, you know, going your own way. And in 1959, it would seem to me like, well, what are the avenues available to you? Right. How can you be successful within the world and still manage to maintain your own identity? And, you know, that's like a more modern perspective. But I was just like, oh, come on, please give me a break and, get you know, make this movie more interesting. Please, please, please. Right. Um, but. Yeah, you know, it's just we can go on um, talking about you know the teacher movies and how unrealistic they are, but in reality, um, any movie about any profession tends to be unrealistic, right? Because it's course, TV, yeah. it's or movies, it's Hollywood, it's drama. Yeah, you've got you got you got to create a whole world and reduce it to like ninety minutes to two and a half hours. Right. And there's also the other fact, right, which is that Hollywood takes like very non-dramatic <laughs> kinds of stories and jobs or whatever and makes them dramatic. I mean, let's face it, um, as a teacher, the less drama I have in the classroom, the better my day is. <laughs> right? It's like I come back home, you know, from a, a you know, a, I mean, and by the way, dramatic and traumatic are very close sounding. <laughs> Trauma, drama, right? You know, those yeah, are yeah. I don't want I don't want a lot of drama in my classes, right? I want it to be, you know, smooth and continuous with, you know, moments of discovery that are emotionally resounding, but are not causing people, you know, young people to freak out. So there, Hollywood, take that. <laughs> you know. I mean, Hollywood just has a way to, like, take any mundane thing and seem to make it into something interesting, right? Uh, uh-huh. So, Well, they try anyway. to. They try to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I give, as Siskel and Ebert, famous uh, critics, again, from your hometown, this definitely got a thumbs down from me. I don't recommend it for anybody to watch it for any kinds of insights on teaching, except how not to talk to a kid. That might be the only real valuable part as a teacher for this movie. And... 
Go watch something better. Try to get Stand and Deliver if you can. That's a good movie. Maybe we should review that one day. That's on my list. I have a, I have a yeah. list of teacher movies, and that's it's high well, I on think the list. You, yeah, you I can get. It. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, you haven't seen that no, one? No, I've just seen clips. But it's a, it's based on a real teacher, a guy named Jaime Escalante. Yeah, yeah. And the story yeah. is true. It's based on a true story, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, not bogus. So that's a good movie to watch. I, I recommend it. It's pretty good, and it's um, what's his name? James Olmos. Yes. Ah, uh, does a great job. Yes, he does a great yes. job. Just a great job. Okay, yeah, he's a good actor. Well, maybe, yeah, he's a great actor. Maybe good time to wind this down, Tony. I think so. Let's uh, see if there's anything else. I don't think we've got anything else really to mm, cover. But uh, I over as um, upset I am about the the specifics of the of the teacher behavior. Overall, I'm not quite as negative you overall on the movie um again because like again we're you know this is inside baseball uh yeah and i'm you know i'm a car guy so yeah I watch any of the, the racing movies it's like nah, I, i'm inevitably i'm let down but if i try to um uh, imagine step outside of myself and uh see through the eyes of someone who's like who's not in education for example um i could see where this would be could be uh uh uplifting inspiring inspirational yeah um kind of like it's like oh wow isn't isn't you know without you know not paying attention to the detail <laughs> just like it's like oh isn't this it, it, it was it was a great story it's like and this poor guy, he came in, he was like really trying to do great things for his students. And of course, he got fired for it. But at least at the end, and that was my last point. Yeah, I go, good. I'm glad I did, we did this because I have a, one great point. His students get stand up on the desk as he's. Oh, yeah. Him. This was the best part of the movie. But, but my point is it's like there's the class in half. Less than half of the class stands up on the desk. Right. That's why it's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I and like that. So it's it's realistic. It's like so. So I'm thinking it's like. So what's the message here? <laughs> it's, it's 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 the most realistic part of the movie. It's like it's like yeah. You you know you put your, you you know, you go out there and again you know, Hollywood right. You go out there and you you put put your butt on the line. Yeah, yeah, you you do what you think is best for all these kids, and it's like you get fired, and you come back, and yeah. But you know what? It's 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 the smart ass that the first to stand on the desk. No, actually, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not Ethan Charlie Hawk's character. Ethan Hawk's character stands up first, and then that guy's second. Okay. But oh, you just saw thing. it, so I won't argue. Yeah, yeah, right. So here's the thing, though, about that scene. I, I've been trying to figure it out because you're right. Um, half the class stands, half the class sits. With their heads and, down. Right. Now, I figured out why their heads are down. It's because none of those none of those faces were introduced in the movie. And <laughs> They're all seconds. Recognize, They're all you wouldn't recognize any of the students anyhow. <laughs> 
and that was, I think, or maybe that was just the ch- easiest way for them to hire stand-ins, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just group the extras. Was like, don't, we don't want to see I your face. They, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to communicate that those kids were embarrassed for not being able to stand up. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, yeah, because they were always right. showing them as cowards, right? But right, because yeah. you had the teacher yelling at them, right, while they yeah. were standing up. The old grumpy headmaster guy, of course, and it was just like. But I thought at least. That was a good scene, is that not every kid would have stood up. He hadn't affected mm-hmm. every kid. And yeah, because that, that would have been real baloney. That would have been yes, real because, Hollywood baloney. Right. If the right. whole and class had stood up, it's like, no, 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 it's right. not going to happen. Right, because the reality is, is you're never going to get the whole class. Never. You might get a lot. You might get most. Usually you get a few. Right? That's right. And uh, I thought at least that was – a reasonable good way to end the movie, so to speak. And, uh, you know, not to show that he had every kid would stand up and defy the school. Yeah, he reached some kids and, you know, half the kids he reached and half the kids he didn't. And that would still be a radical success. Let's It'd be, be a radical success, especially when you're st- when you're teaching poetry. Right. Well, that's, know, that's, that's a tough role. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard call, man. Well, that's uh, also part of it. Teaching like, high school, <laughs> teaching poetry to high school boys. Yeah. Lots of well, luck. Let's go. Yeah. And, and Shakespeare. That's my whole point, which is now nah, I think you'd get a couple. Right. You'd get the one or two kids who were really the, yeah. the writers, right? The Ethan Hawke character for sure, who was the writer. You know, and uh, the character who went off to do the acting in Midsummer's Night Dream. And you might, the other kids maybe, but I don't know. But anyway. Okay, let's wind it up, Tony. All right. Okay, so you're... A dead Tony poet. Silva. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm Tony I've Silva. i having a conversation with a dead poet. <laughs> Tony Silva <laughs> and... Charles was yeah. not a dead poet yet. <laughs> and two I teachers mean the poet talking. Part. I mean the poet part. <laughs> yeah, poetry. We're two pretty teachers, elusive. Right. We're two teachers talking, and you know where to find us. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, be well, Tony. You too.